Welcome to Zoni Living, Business, Adventure, and Leadership. In Arizona, there is so much natural beauty, but what we see in the daytime is really only half the story. If you go outside tonight and look up at the sky, can you find the Milky Way? Well, most people can't. In fact, about 80% of Americans cannot see the cloudy, starry skies of the Milky Way from their homes. The reason is sky glow, light pollution from cities. And this is concerning because science tells us this loss of dark, starry nights can impact our health. It also affects wildlife. Excess light, we're told, is an expensive waste of energy, and glaring light can be dangerous, blinding us at night when walking or driving. But the good news is there are now several international dark sky cities and places and reserves in Arizona, including the city of Flagstaff, Grand Canyon National Park, Wapaki National Monument, and currently Babbitt Ranches on the Colorado Plateau is applying for this status as well. The word is out. Our economy benefits from tourists who want to come here to experience our dark skies. And that's easy to understand because for most of us who gaze into the starry night, we find a connection to the universe. For much of this dark sky appreciation and protection, we can credit astronomers and observatories like Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff that require dark skies for space exploration and study. And much of this we can attribute to the steadfast efforts of individuals. Well, we've got two dark sky champions standing by right now to discuss how Flagstaff has become the global leader in dark skies awareness, lighting, and guidance that other communities are looking to to protect and even help recover the darkness. So joining us from Flagstaff is astronomer Chris Luganbuehl, retired from the U.S. Naval Observatory and president of the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. And from Chicago, the Chicago area, we have Drew Carhart, a horticulturist and founder of the Chicago Area Amateur Astronomy Club, also a member of the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Bonnie. Hello. Chris, uh, hi, hi, Chris, hi, Drew. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you. Flagstaff recently celebrated the 20th anniversary as the first international dark sky city through the efforts of the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. This designation comes with a commitment to keep Flagstaff's nights dark. And those in the know point to you as instrumental in making this designation happen in the first place and understanding how to maintain the quality of Flagstaff's night skies. So tell us where this passion comes from. Well, you know, it's often characterized uh, that an astronomer is an astronomer because they like to do science. But really, the reason I became an astronomer is because I was inspired by the night sky and just the thoughts and wonder and awe that it brought to me when I looked at it and thought about what it meant, what, what it was. And I wanted to be an astronomer, not because I love math and science so much, although I do love those, but more because I wanted to work with that inspiration uh, day, day in and day out, or night in and night out. And Drew, you have a fascinating story and perspective as well. You've watched the Chicago area grow, and with that, you've watched the light dome grow along with it. Yes, so I've been uh, staring at the stars in the sky uh, since I was a little child, um, and that would date back to the uh, 1960s for me. And uh, back then, you could, in my suburban yard, you could see a lot of stars. You could actually see that the Milky Way was there in the summertime. I remember that because that's when I was taught what that glowing band of light was. 
So over the decades between then and now, um, especially in the last quarter of the 20th century, I watched that sky disappear as the outdoor lighting that uh, was used around Chicago and actually all around, around the world increased just tremendously. And uh, like this map shows that gives us somewhat of an estimate of how much man-made light is spilling out into the environment and up into the sky at night. Uh, there's really no place that's naturally dark left to the uh, east of the Mississippi at all and very small areas to the west. And uh, so that's where I come from to uh, have a concern about the loss of the night sky. It was just watching it happen. Boy, just very compelling reasons. And for the past eight years, I know you both have been involved in the Flagstaff Star Party, creating the event, the Flagstaff Star Party, which is a three-night event in the fall that attracts as many as a 1,000 people a night. And Chris and Drew, you're both out there. You're out there each night, and you're. this is in the fall, in the mountains, in the cold, in the dark. Drew, you bring your telescope all the way from Chicago out there, as I know there are a lot of other ast astronomers and amateur ast astronomers who do the same thing, to meet in Flagstaff at uh, Buffalo Park. And tell me what this is like. Why, why do you do what you do? And, and what is a Flagstaff Star Party experience like? Well, I do a lot of uh, outreach as an amateur astronomer in my area here in Northern Illinois, but what makes Flagstaff different is uh, not only can people actually see a tremendous amount of the universe from right in town there from uh, Buffalo Park, they actually appreciate that uh, a lot of effort has gone into to preserving that sky. And uh, it's amazing for anyone to look out with your eyes. You can look at all the pictures you want online or in books or in magazines, of things in the universe, but actually experiencing them with your eyes is uh, a totally different experience. And for those of us running the telescopes, it's an amazing privilege to be able to share that with people, uh, to share live views of people's own universe with them. So uh, I get never-ending enjoyment out of that. And it's, it's wonderful. I mean, you do see people of all ages being able to participate in this activity. Chris, what are some of the uh, favorite objects that people get to see during a Flagstaff Star Party? Well, we put a particular effort in the Flagstaff Star Party to try to get people to directly experience the sky and the night. Uh, the telescopes are kind of like a lure. They work really well to attract people, but too many people think that they can only see things in the sky with telescopes. So that's what we focus on. Just look up and look at the sky. Don't think right off at the beginning of what you would look at in a telescope. Realize that you can connect directly with it with no instrumentation between your eyeball and the universe overhead. But then, of course, after that, everybody wants to see Saturn or Jupiter, <laughs> or they want to see uh, clusters of stars in the Milky Way. There's a lot of very really fine, beautiful detail that you can see when you have the extra light gathering of a telescope, or really even especially the magnification that a telescope can give. And I know you hear comments all the time about people can't believe how many stars they can see. Yeah, it's stunning to your average, like you said at the beginning of your introduction, 80% of the people live where they can't see the Milky Way. And that really is just representative of how thin their view of, or how dim their view of the universe overhead is. So when they come under Flagstaff skies, at least for the people who don't live here all the time and see it often, yeah, it's a very 
it's a very awe-inspiring view. I don't think there's anybody who isn't, or there's hardly anybody who isn't inspired by that view. And we hear that. I remember one person saying, people travel for hundreds or thousands of miles to come see Grand Canyon. Or they maybe even travel hundreds of miles to come see the Flagstaff Star Party. But they could just turn their heads upward if they had dark skies, and there it is, wherever they are, if we protect skies better, or if they live in a place where it's reasonably dark. It's really accessible to everybody, and it's not just everybody. It can be accessible to everybody, but it's not just everybody today. It's it's the same sky that people have been looking at through the centuries and across the world. Uh, the people in Africa or Europe or China, they see the same sky we do. So it really is a, a culture and time-spanning experience to look at the night sky. Yeah, what a beautiful connection we all have if we just look up. Well, I wanted to point out that the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition has a lot going on this year. And part of what you do is bring awareness to the dark skies. Uh, along with the Flagstaff Star Party in September, the nonprofit also has created Celebration of the Night, which is a six-week event in the fall. And that has a whole host of events like art exhibits, dance performances, virtual interactive telescope viewing, science presentations, concerts, night photography and telescope workshops. You have another event debuting this fall that's called Flagstaff Dark Skies, an evening of awareness, appreciation, and awe that will be sort of a sips and savers under the, under the stars kind of event. It will be hosted out at the Arizona Nordic Village, which is under dark skies uh, 15 miles north of Flagstaff. And another event coming up this spring. This is a really special event called Night Visions. It's uh, connected with the Coconino Center for the Arts and Creative Flagstaff. Chris, I know you've been heavily involved in this and the discussions and the planning that goes on. So tell us what, what will be happening in May in Flagstaff. All of these things you've been describing are efforts by the coalition to get all people involved as many from as many different directions as possible in the wonders of the night. Uh, not just stars and astronomy, but music and all the other things you alluded to. Night Visions, the uh, fine art multimedia exhibit, uh, a juried uh, at the gallery north of, on the north edge of Flagstaff, the Coquino Center for the Arts, is something that we initiated right at the beginning in 2001, at the same year that we uh, nominated and successfully obtained the Dark Sky City status for City of Flagstaff. This Night Visions exhibit is asks artists and scientists to interpret the night through their eyes. And let science inform art and vice versa is the way we look at it. Right at the very beginning, we had a collaboration with the Space Telescope Science Institute, and they brought out images uh, that their scientists had intentionally processed and produced in a way that was meant to convey the beauty and awe of them. I mean, the data that were gathered from the Space Telescope were meant for scientific studies. But these scientists recognized that there was huge beauty and inspirational quality to these data as well. And that was a part of the first night visions. Well, I so love this the year, between science this and year we're doing something special. We're going to be uh, not only having the usual uh, photographs, performance, whatever we could get the artists to express their connections to the sky. Also, scientists sometimes produce images and sometimes put equations on their images. It's really uh, quite diverse. We're also going to be uh, honoring Flagstaff's own astronomer, uh, Carolyn Shoemaker, who is uh, uh, a person who uh, worked for years on discovering or working on, uh, with her husband, Gene Shoemaker, on uh, searching for objects in space that 
might someday collide with Earth. That was their original uh, research. But during that time, Carolyn Shoemaker discovered more than 30 comets, including the Shoemaker-Levy 9 comet, which crashed into Jupiter about a year after they discovered it. So we'll be honoring Carolyn Shoemaker and her uh, Jean Shoemaker's work as well uh, with this Night Visions exhibit coming up in May. Yeah, very fascinating, fascinating people who did so much. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the word is out about Flagstaff and Flagstaff's dark skies. And in the last year, you've seen more interest than ever before from news media and from other cities wondering how you did it. So you have put together the Flagstaff Solution. Tell, tell us about that. Well, the first thing we've kind of, we've kind of known this for a while, even since the 2000, 2001, when we got together and created these ideas about cultural connections to the night. We knew that Flagstaff had done something unusual. But in recent years, we've actually been measuring it. And we're actually even surprised ourselves at how well we have done. We compared through uh, measurements of the brightness of the sky glow over Flagstaff and comparing them to another city of essentially exactly the same size and measured from exactly the same distance. We found that Flagstaff sky glow is more than 90% fainter, less than one-tenth as bright. That's stunning. And that tells us that really that has really helped to underscore for us that we really have something here that's important, that we need to understand what it is that we did that has resulted in that success and find a way to convey it to others so that the rest of the world also can take advantage of the ground-tested truths or the ground-tested techniques that we have, that we have uh, pioneered in Flagstaff. Tell us about the difference you can make, the actionable practices you can take. Uh, dark sky folks for the years, Drew knows this very well as well, have been pointing out that in a conceptual sense, solving the light pollution problem is pretty easy. It's nothing more common sense than just use light sensibly. Pay attention to how much you use and only use as much as necessary. Only use it where you need it. Don't shine it into the sky. The light that's going up into the sky isn't doing anybody any good and you still have to pay for the electricity. Mm -hmm. These common sense solutions, we have even estimated on the back of envelope, kind of the back of the envelope, proverbial back of the envelope calculation, that that leads to about a 90% reduction in light pollution. People think that you have to turn out lights and go back to the stone ages uh, or dark ages, so to speak, to get this kind of a improvement. But in fact, you don't. It's really just common sense things with lighting. And you're right to point out, this is not something that any individual in person or group of people like the coalition can achieve by itself. And that's part of what the Flagstaff solution is about. That is building a community spanning collaboration or coalition of government agencies, uh, researchers, artists, uh, people who are involved in uh, human health, anybody can contribute to uh, raising the awareness and establishing the priorities in a community that can help lead to effective solutions like a 90% reduction. Chris, I want to interrupt you quickly and look at this slide. We've got uh, a member of the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. This is Walnut Canyon Village in Flagstaff, and she's showing an amber light bulb, and she's standing under a shielded light. Uh, that's Andrea Michaels, a member of the coalition, and she is a member of, or a resident of the Walnut Canyon Village, as you mentioned. And they wanted to make a difference in their neighborhood. And they did not have lights like that originally. If you have some other slides, you can see that they had very typical 
what we might call brass and glass fixtures like that, where some of the light goes down onto the, onto the house number and onto the ground below it to help you find your way around. But much more of it goes off to the side, which ends up across the street on your neighbor's property or in the sky overhead. It's very inefficient. It doesn't give good visibility and it causes light pollution. So they changed that fixture that you saw illustrated next to uh, Andrea. And that makes a huge difference, a fixture like that. It just directs the light downward. So they uh, worked with the coalition to define what those lights might be. We found uh, support through uh, local hardware retailers who were willing to supply the fixtures and the bulbs uh, at a discounted price. And the entire uh, uh, homeowners association or the homeowners association for the entire neighborhood of 72 units switch the majority of their lighting from those unshielded lights, which you see those white bright ones there, to fully shielded lights, which kept the light onto the properties, provided much more effective visibility for the owners themselves and dramatically improved the quality of the nighttime environment in the neighborhood. Well, we mentioned some of the reasons why we value dark skies. Some are very practical, like human and wildlife health, safety, uh, science research and discovery, and other reasons you touched on um, for spiritual reasons, for cultural st- storytelling through constellations. But how about this? The Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis over Fairbanks, Alaska. Places like Fairbanks need dark skies away from light pollution for their economy, which is created largely around tourism in the winter months. So it's no surprise if you just look at these amazing images. People travel from all over the world to see views like this. President and CEO of Explore Fairbanks, Scott McCrea, told me that in Alaska, the northern lights are a big part of what defines us as a destination. I was also speaking with Aaron Lojowski this week, and he is an assembly member of the Fairbanks North Star Borough. He says light pollution has gotten noticeably worse in the last five years, which he believes has to do with LED lights. Well, interestingly enough, Assemblyman Lojowski spent some time in Flagstaff when he was younger, hiking around Flagstaff with his dad. His dad went to Northern Arizona University and brought his son down there. And so um, this, this young man, as he's grown up and through the years, he's been following what Flagstaff has been doing. And so now he's in Fairbanks, and recently they had their Explore Fairbanks Interior Tourism Conference, and they invited you, Drew, to come out as a presenter, and you brought the Flagstaff solution to Fairbanks. I think it's also amazing to note that you were outside in January, in the cold, in the night, in Alaska, going through neighborhoods and kind of addressing what kind of lighting was working and what kind of lighting perhaps was not working so much and and talking about some of their concerns. So tell us about your experience. Well, I would say that um, the people in Fairbanks are like a lot of people in a lot of different areas that I've uh, spoken to and worked with on these lighting situations where, you know, man-made light is disturbing things. they see there's something wrong and they kind of want to know what to do about it. And after that, it gets into technicalities and theories and concepts that people aren't used to dealing with. Like Chris pointed out, on the other hand, there are some very simple, obvious, logical things. The uh, put the light, only look the amount of light you need, only where you need it and only when you need it. And uh, um, if we just followed those things, life would be a lot simpler. Up in Fairbanks, um, things are a little bit different in that um, 
as you noted, they want the dark skies so they can see those northern lights and so that the tourists that come to the area in actually fairly large numbers uh, can see those northern lights. But it still is kind of the same thing. They're looking to preserve the night um, uh, for one reason or another. They also have a different situation there in that uh, it's night almost all winter long. Mm -hmm. So their days get very short. Their nights are very long. And so their streetlights run a lot at that time of year. And they don't run at all in the summer because it doesn't really get dark at night. And uh, so their streetlights are running when there's snow on the ground, which is very reflective. And especially when they, the, the state up there and the city have switched out a lot of the uh, more classic yellow uh, streetlights that many of us are used to, the uh, high-pressure sodium lights, into white LED lights. And that is probably entirely the reason why Aaron and other people up there have noticed a real uptick in the sky glow. Um, there's the same number of streetlights. But they've switched to these white lights, which unfortunately reflect off the snow uh, considerably more than the yellow did. But even more importantly, they scatter more in the sky. So they create more, that, that white light creates a lot more sky glow than the yellow light did of the previous lights. So working with them is going to be a, a project. Um, my trip up there was to basically give different parts of the community an introduction to uh, these really simple concepts that, yes, it is a problem. There are things to be concerned about, but there are solutions. And I used Flagstaff strongly as the example of here, it works um, and we can help because it's not a theory. It's not, shouldn't somebody should do something about this? It's, this is what Flagstaff has done and they don't have the light pollution problem that you do. Well, Drew, I love that you travel from Chicago several times a year to come out to see Flagstaff's skies and to stargaze through Flagstaff skies. Yeah, um, so that was my, uh, I met Chris through doing light pollution work quite a few years ago. And, uh, but I've been coming down to the Southwest uh, to stargaze in my free time for quite a while because once again, east of the Mississippi, there there are darker areas, but there's nothing as dark as some spots you can still find out in the deserts and up in the mountains. And uh, um, the more heavily populated eastern half of the country just doesn't have spots like that. So uh, that's a selfish thing. Um, that's me running away from light pollution, which <laughs> isn't a good thing, but I'll admit to doing it because I love the sky so much. I love the universe. So I, I want to be able to see it. Well, we look forward to seeing you both at the next Flagstaff Star Party coming up in September. So thank you, Chris Luganbuehl and Drew Carhart, both members of the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. Thank you for joining me. And also thank you for your tireless efforts. And we'll, we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you. Well, you can find out more about the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition by going to flagstaffdarkskies.org. You can also read more about their efforts and events in the March edition of Flagstaff Business News. Just go to flagstaffbusinessnews.com. I'll leave you with one final thought. In Arizona's dark skies in early spring, you should be able to see some families of stars. The most famous star cluster is the Pleiades, or the Seven Sisters, leading Orion, the constellation, across the sky. 
Most stars are born in groups, dozens to thousands of stars. These clusters are close enough that individual stars are visible by the naked eye, but a pair of binoculars will reveal dozens of more distant star families. Thank you for joining me on Zoni Living, Business, Adventure, and Leadership. I'm Bonnie Stevens. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the night.